Well, good morning. Good morning. I hope that all of you are ready, or at least nearly ready, for Thanksgiving. I would personally like to thank the men's Bible study for praying for my wife and I yesterday. We were able to make it all the way through Costco on a Saturday before Thanksgiving, and I only rammed one lady with a cart. It was an accident. Vehicular manslaughter aside, I thought it proper to pause our study of 1 Samuel uh, to take a little break and do a little quick study of a psalm for Thanksgiving. Now, I know I normally jump in and read the text before we talk about it, but today, before we read the passage, I want to look at something with you that I think will uh, make the reading more meaningful to you. So if you have a Bible, great. If you don't have a Bible and you, you want to shoot up your hand, we'll bring you one because you're you're definitely going to need it today. Hopefully you need it every Sunday, but you definitely want it today. We're going to be looking at Psalm 136 if you want to start turning there. I just want to give you a little background into this psalm. In the Jewish tradition, this psalm is often known as the Great Hallel or the Great Psalm of Praise. And although we don't know who wrote this psalm, we think it was David, but we don't know for sure. We do know a few things about where this psalm was sung. Uh, first, in, in 2 Chronicles 7, 6, you can see uh, Solomon had built this temple, the, the very first temple that they built. It was this glorious, magnificent temple. Uh, God had provided everything for them, and he was consecrating the temple. They were opening the temple up, and so Solomon directed the priests to uh, sing this psalm. Right? And if you go back there and you read that, I don't have time to get to it today, but uh, what you'll see is often with the psalms, the way that they uh, referenced a psalm is not the way that we do today, right? The number, the chapter numbers, verses, that came later, like 14th, 15th century, right? So in the, in the Hebrew, the way that you would reference a psalm is you would say the first line. And we see that when Jesus was on the cross. Right? Remember his, his words, uh, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? Right? That is the, the opening line to the psalm he was referencing. And it was meant to draw their attention to that psalm. In this case, the psalm would be, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. So when you see uh, the in, in the text when it says, he gave to them a psalm, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. That's the same as me saying, uh, sing a psalm uh, 136. Okay? So uh, the next time we saw it was sung by King Jehoshaphat. I'm going to let your fingers spell that one. That's a long one. Jehoshaphat. Um, as the Israelites prepared to battle a far larger army. We've seen that a lot in 1 Samuel. The, the numbers are superior. Uh, they were surrounded. Uh, they went out early in the morning, and they were going to go attack the enemy, and they sang this psalm on the way. And when they arrived, they discovered that God had already taken care of the enemy. They had, there was infighting. They had destroyed themselves. And the Bible tells us that not one person escaped. This psalm was sung on the way. Um, if you've made it to the passage by now, you'll notice there's a, a bit of repetition in this passage, right? There's, a, there's a, a give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Then another line, for his loving kindness is everlasting, right? And, and th that phrase, for his loving kindness is everlasting, uh, for some of you may actually have, for his love is everlasting. It depends on the, the translation that you're using there. The fact of the matter is, both of those are good, good translations. But they lack the full breadth of the Hebrew word that is used there. Right? If, you, if you got my text um, earlier this week, I sent out a text every week, kind of let you know what we're talking about this Sunday, and ask how I can pray for you. 
Um, if you've got that, you'll know the Hebrew word is chesed. If you notice, there was a K on the front of chesed. Right? If you're American, you say chesed. If you're Hebrew, you say chesed. Right? It's a, uh, the, the ha, or the hey, excuse me, in, uh, H letter in Hebrew is a guttural. So you pronounce it in the back of your throat. Right? Uh, think French, ha ha, you know, the way the French do it. Uh, the Hebrews say chesed. Give it a shot. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. <laughs> Try not to get anything on your neighbor. Chesed. Chesed. All right, good. Good. We practiced. Now you know Hebrew. Congratulations. Um, so uh, this, this word, chesed, aside from being something fun to say, is actually a pretty amazing word. It's a word that, that it's difficult to translate. Because basically what it's trying to do is to uh, define God's love. And I've, I've said this before, sometimes I feel like an ant trying to describe the, the guidance system in an F-16 when we talk about God, right? Because he's, he's infinite and we're finite. So how can we describe the infinite with finite words? Chesed is the Hebrew word that attempts to do that. Um, it, it, it's, it involves mercy and kindness and loyal love, uh, the type of love that, that goes beyond duty. Right? I'm, I'm married to my wife, so uh, since I'm married to my wife, uh, my duty, I throw a load of laundry in. That's my duty. Right? But if I go above and beyond that, I fold the laundry. I put the laundry away. That's chesed love. Right? Chesed love. Um, it's, it's the type of love we demonstrate for our spouse when we do something really kind for them, like going to Costco on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> She didn't laugh at that oh, before service, by the way. <laughs> I was hoping she would laugh. She'll laugh again. Really, though, loyal love would be would be uh, more like standing with your spouse in in a time of great need, um, maybe a, a sickness or job loss or something of, of that type. Uh, we've we've all heard stories of, of you know maybe a, a war veteran coming home having been damaged by an IED or something, and their loyal spouse stays with them, even though they physically have nothing to offer that spouse, and they take care of that spouse, and they love that spouse. That's a loyal love. That's chesed, right? And we have uh, some biblical examples. Um, a great example of, of human chesed is Ruth. You remember Ruth? Uh, she uh, married Naomi's son. Naomi had fled from Israel, Naomi and her husband and her two sons. They fled from Israel because there was a, a drought and a famine. And they went into Moab, and they they married two the sons married two women, and then the, the father, the son, and the son all died. And so it's it's just Naomi and and Orpah and, and uh, Ruth. And Naomi goes to go back to Israel. She says, "I have nothing left. At least I'll go back to my homeland." And the two daughters follow her, daughters-in-law follow her, and she says, "Turn back. There's nothing for you in Israel. You're 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 a Moabitess. There's nothing for you in Israel." And Orpah does. She goes back. But Ruth says, I'm going with you. Where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Even though you have nothing to offer me, I will go with you and I will take care of you. Even though it may be really difficult for me, because it would have been very difficult for her as a Moabitess to fit in in the Israelite culture. She would have always been viewed as an outcast. That is chesed, right? We studied chesed yesterday, or, uh, last week. Uh, when we looked at, at 1 Samuel 2014, I think we can pull up the, the first slide there. Did it work? 
We'll let you think of it. Keep working on it. If you get it, great. If not, we still love you. First uh, Samuel 2014. We studied it last week. Remember, uh, David was fleeing from Saul, and uh, he flew. He flew to, to Jonathan, and they were discussing how to uh, deal with this. And uh, Jonathan informs him that he will tell David if there's trouble. And so, um, oh, I thought you got it there for a second. Samurai dog. Uh, he, he's going to tell David, and so Jonathan, after he says this, uh, or as he says this, it's 1 Samuel 20, I'm going to start in verse 13. He says, if it please my father to do you harm, he's talking about Saul now, may the Lord do so to Jonathan, and more also, if I do not make it known to you and send you away, that you may go in safety. And may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father. If I'm still alive, will you not show me the chesed of the Lord, that I may not die? You shall not cut off your chesed from my house forever, not even when the Lord cuts off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Chesed there is, <coughs> excuse me, an undeserved grace. Right? We, we talked about this. When, when one king came in and replaced the other king, the first thing he did was take out the other king's favor. He didn't want any challenges to the throne. Right? So he, he, Jonathan here knows that when David becomes king, he has every right to come in and clean him out. But he, he pleads and says, will you show me the chesed of the Lord that I may not die? And you will be with my house, my children, forever. Right? But as good as, as, as Ruth and David's chesed is, it doesn't even compare to the chesed of God. There's an interesting story in Numbers chapter 14. If you remember, uh, as the Israelites were coming to the promised land, they'd come out of Egypt. They, they'd made it all the way. They were at the doorstep of of the land of milk and honey. And they send 12 spies in, and the spies come back, and it takes two of them to carry one bundle of grapes because the grapes are so big, and there's so much food, and, and it's wonderful, and they're so excited. But the people were like giants in their eyes in the promised land. Right? They said we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. And they were afraid, and they got angry, and they said, you brought us all the way out here to kill us in this land here. And they wanted to stone Moses, and they're, they're picking up rocks to throw it at him. And all of a sudden... Bam! The glory of the Lord inhabits the tabernacle. And God is ticked. Right? He says, I brought you all the way here. I brought you through all this. I parted the Red Sea. You walked through. You came here. And now you're going to kill Moses? You don't think I'll protect you in there? I protected you all the way here. And he says, Moses, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe them out, and I'm going to start over with you. And, and Moses says, Numbers 14, 19, he intercedes. And he asked the Lord to forgive the people according to God's chesed, his undeserved, loyal love. It's a loyal love that is given to people that deserve destruction. And although in the New Testament was written in Greek, the, the theme of chesed is uh, woven throughout it. Before I get into that, I almost forgot, I'm kneeling here. Would you come up here and uh, sign chesed for us? This is, this is difficult because um, you have to do, it's, it's God's loyal love. So God's loyal love. So that would be God, God his, his 
said it sucks lazy. <laughs> You've got to swoop it in. Swoop if you it. just do this, that means lazy. God, God is not lazy. So make sure you swoop it in. Really important, right, Joe? Yeah. Swoop it in for loyal. So God is love, loyal. And then you could sing yourself or bed before or after to emphasize what you're just saying. You want to say anything? Now, is there a way to get the flemminess inside of it? Oh, he said that. That emphasis on that K sound, you could kind of lift to like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's not. Okay. All right. Thank you. I just showed the K. So. Okay. <laughs> that's probably more sanitary. So, <laughs> so the theme of Hesed, it's, it's woven throughout the New Testament. Um, the, uh, it, it, many of you are familiar with the Romans road, right? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, uh, 10, 10 for, the heart, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And finally, Romans 10, 13. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Hallelujah. That, my friends, is chesed. Mm. It's God's loyal love to all who would call on the name of the Lord. And you may be sitting here today saying, well, you don't know what I've done. There's no way, no way I could ever be forgiven for what I've done. Too far gone. And I would say to you, is there anything too difficult for the Lord? His chesed is a free gift of grace to those of us who, uh, the Bible tells us we were his enemies. We were his enemies. It's, it's a loyal love that, that can overcome the darkest stain on the darkest heart. And it is because of this chesed that we assemble here today. His chesed is the reason for all good in the world. And so with that, I want to get to our passage. And we're going to do this a little differently today. You see, this psalm was written as a responsive psalm. So the priest would sing out the first line, and the congregation would say the next line. Right? So it would go something like this. The priest would say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. The congregation would say, for his chesed is everlasting. Right? We get to sound, we get just a little bit of Hebrew in there. Make it sound like maybe a little bit of what it was like when Solomon dedicated that temple, right? Or when the Israelites prepared for battle. So I'll read the first line, then you read the next line, and we'll go through uh, the chapter together, all right? If you are able, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? And we'll get this started. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. You're getting there, you're getting there. Give thanks to the God of gods. Better. Give thanks to the Lord of Lords. To him alone who alone does not great wonders. To him who made the heavens with skill. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. 
His chesed is everlasting. The sun to rule by day. His chesed is everlasting. The moon and stars to rule by night. His chesed is everlasting. To him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn. For his chesed is everlasting. And brought Israel out from their midst. For his chesed is everlasting. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. For his chesed is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. For his chesed is everlasting. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his chesed is everlasting. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. For his chesed is everlasting. To him who led his people through the wilderness. For his chesed is everlasting. To him who smote great kings. For his chesed is everlasting. And slew mighty kings. For his chesed is everlasting. And his loving kindness is everlasting. For his chesed is everlasting. I'm sorry, I read your line. You guys are doing better than me. I'm sorry, I'll try that again. He slew mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites. For his chesed is everlasting. And Og, king of Bashan. For his chesed is everlasting. And gave their land as a heritage. For his chesed is everlasting. Even a heritage to Israel, his servant. For his chesed is everlasting. Who remembered us in our low estate. For his chesed is everlasting. And rescued us from our adversaries. For his chesed is everlasting. Who gives food to all flesh. For his chesed is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of heaven. For his chesed is everlasting. Right. Lord, we praise the psalmist praying in Psalm 100, where we shout joyfully to you, all, all the earth. We serve you, you with, with gladness. We come before you with joyful singing. We know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his court with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. Amen. Be seated. So our passage today is, is divided into a few chunks, so we're, we're going to kind of go through these chunks. Uh, verses 1 through 3, uh, we see the, the God of gods, right? We see verse 1, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God is the source of good, all good. He's the very wellspring of good. Without God, all goodness disappears. We thank our parents for the life that they give us. Why would we not thank God for the good that he has given us? The coo of a baby, the warm embrace of a spouse, the laughter of a friend. His loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods. Some people look at this and say, well, wait a minute, are you saying there are more gods out there? Notice, if you will, in, in your Bible, the first word is gods with a capital G. What's the second word? It's gods with a lowercase g. Those are the idols of this world. We don't see a lot of those running around. Uh, we don't have carved images uh, that we see as much, but we still have idols, right? We still have jobs and bank accounts and cars and houses. We have idols still, but we need to give thanks to the God of gods. The world can worship its idols with great fervency. I, I turn on the TV and you watch a football game and you see 80,000 people all gathered in the stadium screaming their heads off. Right? They can worship with great urgency. How much more should we worship the one true God? Amen. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. Our Lord is above all others. He's above our bosses, above our governors, above our presidents, above our whatever government we have. He's above our bills, 
He's above our sicknesses. He's above our troubles. He is the Lord of Lords. Verses 4 through 9, we uh, see the Creator. Um, and I apologize, the slideshow didn't work. That, that's, I'm sure that's my fault. I, I tried to rush it. And, uh, but uh, the, the, the theme of this, these verses, right? It, it invites the Christian not to, to, to wrangle over uh, cosmological theories or, or how did this happen or how did this happen. It just calls us to delight in the environment. It's not a, a mere mechanism, but it's a work of art, a work of steadfast love that God has given us. Verse 4, to him alone who does great wonders, volcanoes, earthquakes, the tides, massive hurricanes, he, he controls those. He does great wonders. And then you, you bring it down into the life. We, we've all known people that have been at the bottom of the well. They've been at the bottom of the bucket. And at the last second, they're on death's door. Jesus reaches in and snatches them and brings them to him and restores their life. To him who does great wonders, for his hesed is everlasting. To him who made the heavens with skill. This is what I was really wanted to show you. Um, the James Webb Telescope has, has brought us some pictures that are just amazing. right? And if you get a chance, go home, just Google it. You look at these pictures and it looks like it just blows your mind. All of these galaxies that are out there. And, and, and there's this pinwheel uh, galaxy. It looks like a big Ferris wheel. And those are made out of stars, right? So far away that you and I can't see them without this telescope that we launch into space, send flying out there, and it takes a picture so we can see it. All of these, these beautiful things that he made. When, when uh, in verse five he says, "To him who made the heavens with skill," we need to remember the the, the context of who this was written to and, and and who wrote it. Right? This would have been Hebrews, uh, several you know, uh, like a thousand years B.C. It was before Christ. So when they said heavens, we think you know we, we think of the space station floating around out there. We think of the you know faraway stars and everything. When they say heavens, they're talking about the the, the sky, the beautiful sky. How many times do we walk out and we look because the sun's going down and there's a little bit of clouds and that sun drops just below the clouds and it turns those clouds eerie violet, red, purple. And the sun goes down and it gets back up and it does it again the next day and the next day and the next day. Beautiful pieces of art, something we, we can't even recreate. Just there for our pleasure. Just there for us to walk out and look at. Amen. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. Uh, we, we, uh, John and Jade uh, are in Hawaii today. They flew over to Hawaii last week, right? They're in tropical paradise. We're here. We have Mount Diablo. We have the Sierra. Sometimes when I'm driving uh, over in Shadow Lakes there, I pop up over this hill, and I can actually see the Sierra Nevadas and all the smog clears out, right? And you can see these beautiful mountains. I, I've been in, in the desert of Kuwait. I've been in the swamps of Georgia. I've been on the beaches of Florida. I've been on... The, the backwoods of Kentucky. I've been in the mountains of Montana. There, there's so much that God has created. We could spend a lifetime traveling and never see a tenth of it that he has created just for us, just for our pleasure. To him who made the great lights, he breathed the stars into existence. 
the sun and the moon, the sun to rule by day, right? We know that the sun is where it's at and we're where we're at. And if we were just, you know, a little bit closer, we'd burn up. If we were just a little bit further away, we'd freeze. God created the sun and put everything into motion. He tilted the axis of the earth so we get fall and winter and spring. This is California, so we get winter and, and, and summer, right? But other places you get fall and winter and spring and summer. He spins it around so that we get those glorious sunrises and those glorious sunsets. He does all of this for us. His hesed is everlasting. The moon, when we look at the moon, if the moon were suddenly just disappeared, do you know what that would do to our world? Our tides would be thrown off. There would be... It would cause great chaos with our world because this lump of rock, is the gravitational pull is, is working with our world and, and he created it and made it beautiful. Verses 10 through 16, we see uh, God is the rescuer. But the judgment of, of this world and its ruler, um, when we see the, the Egyptians... Right? He, he goes in and he says he smote the Egyptians firstborn and he smokes these kings and smites this and smites that. Right? As Christians, we don't have a, a pharaoh over us. We haven't been rescued from slavery out of, out of the, the Egyptian slave pits. We, we aren't there. But what we have been rescued from and what we should take from this passage is our sin. Far more oppressive than any Egyptian. Far more oppressive than any slavery. Our sin doomed us to hell. And yet Christ comes down with a strong hand in verse 12. Strong hand meaning great power. And an outstretched arm meaning there's nothing he can't reach. His arm is outstretched. He can reach this whole world for his hesed is everlasting. To him who divided the Red Sea asunder. It always blows my mind, right? If you walk through a puddle, what's at the bottom of the puddle? Mud, dirt, right? Okay, so when God parted the Red Sea, the Bible tells us that they walked through on dry land. It's the bottom of the ocean. You know how much water he would have to remove to get dry land for them to walk through? And then think about that. You're walking through and there's walls of water on either side of you. And the kid in me goes, man, it'd be so cool to just kind of like walk over and like look at the fish swimming around in there. It'd be like the, the world's best aquarium. And if you're really good, like maybe Joe could pull this off because he's a good fisherman. He could stand there, and then when they swam close, grab himself a fish, right? Wouldn't that be so much better than having to, you know, throw a pole and all that stuff? He divided the Red Sea asunder, and he made Israel pass through the midst of it. And then the Egyptians saw this, and they said, well, if they can do it, we can do it. And they went right in the middle, and just as it looked like they were about to get through, the water went back together again. It got crushed the enemy of Israel. Brothers and sisters, he did the same thing when he went to that cross. He was in control of that. If you don't believe me on that, go back and read that again. I think it's a mark. Uh, when, when they come to arrest him, they say, we're here for Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And what do they do? They fall on their faces at the power of his voice. They're thrown to the ground by him saying, I am he. He was in control that whole time. And he picked him back up. And Peter lops an ear off of one of the guys. And he heals the guy. And then allows himself to be taken and beaten and scourged and humiliated and mocked 
and spit upon and hung on a cross. And then on that cross, that was bad enough, right? That, that was terrible. That was horrible. But on that cross, every sin that you ever did, every sin that I ever did, every sin that I will ever do, all the punishment for that was poured out on Christ on that cross. Every infinite punishment that we deserve was poured out on Christ on that cross. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, he took that sin, destroyed it, crushed it, for his hesed is everlasting. Verses 17 through 22, we see God is the victor. Right? We see the victors over Sahan and, and, and Og. If you want to go look those up, you can look at Numbers and Deuteronomy. And um, Sahan was a, a leader of the Amorites. He wouldn't let the, the Israelites go through when they were on their way to the Promised Land. He actually tried to attack them. God took care of them for them. Og was a really big dude. Think of another Goliath. Right? The Bible describes his bed was made out of iron because the dude was so big that it, it, several cubits wide and several cubits deep and whatnot. He was a big king, and God tossed him like a rag doll. God took care of him. God was a victor. He smote the great kings. He slew the mighty kings. And he gave their land as a heritage to the Israelites. The same thing is true for you and I. We had great enemies. We had Satan and his demons, and we had all of our sins stacked up against us, and God tossed them aside like a rag doll. He gave us a heritage. He gave us a place in his kingdom for all eternity, for his hesed is everlasting. Verses 23 and 25 are, are kind of a, we've been speaking historically now. Verses 23 and 25 kind of bring it to now times, right? So it brings it to, to where we are now. He, who remembered us in our lowest state and rescued us from our adversaries? They're speaking of, of being uh, removed from captivity and being placed in the promised land there. And then he said, they, they say this, this little line, who gives food to all flesh? Ever think about that? I was walking around the other day, and, and I see all these birds, and they're flying around, and, and uh, they're over by Willie's Bagel, so they, you know, one of them found this big chunk of bagel and went flying off, I'm sure. Like, yeah, that, that made his day, right? But it made his day. The next day, he'd have to do the same thing. And God provides food for them. And all the little bugs, he provides food for them. And all the little birds and, and animals and critters, he provides food for them. All the way up to us, he provides food for us. He knows what we need. He, and, it, and it's not just food. right? Because man shall not live on bread alone. He also provides spiritual food. He gave us this Bible. Think about this. How much has this thing been through to get here on the pulpit today. Not this Bible. I'm talking about the Bible in general. How many times have people tried to wipe it out? How many times have people tried to wipe out Christians? How many times have they sought to destroy this? And yet here it is in my hand. I've got a little phone over there and i got a computer here. I can pull up 50 different versions of the Bible. I can pull it up in any language you can imagine. I can pull it up in the old Aramaic. I can pull it up in the old Greek. I can pull it up in the old Hebrew. God gives us food. But what about prayer? Think about that for a second. You could be 
bored out of your mind sitting in the middle of a sermon, and you can go to the creator of the universe and talk to him. God, please make this guy hurry up. Please give him, give him something good to say. You can be anywhere, and you can go to the creator of the universe. The guy that we just talked about with the, the, the pinwheel star. I wish I could have shown the pinwheel stars and the, and the, the galaxies and placing the sun and, and the earth and the moon. You can go to him anytime you want. And you, this isn't the Old Testament. You don't have to go out and butcher a goat and cut a lamb in half and do all that crazy stuff. You can just go to him. And you can just pray. And he responds. How amazing is that? For his chesed is everlasting. Verse 26 just kind of, kind of puts a bow on everything. And it says, give thanks to the God This Thanksgiving, we need to remember what the day represents. It used to be that the Christmas season started the day after Thanksgiving. Now it seems to be Halloween. Um, a few years ago, I saw the Christmas decorations out in July, so I took a picture of it at the end of this year. <laughs> I've already heard Christmas music in several stores. My heart goes out to all of you retail and food service workers out there that I've already been subjected to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. Uh, makes me want to cry every time. I can't imagine being subjected to that all day long. And our society has done an, an outstanding job of turning a day where we should be praising God for the things that we have, for the things that he has given us, for the blessings he's bestowed upon us, for the trials he's dragged us through, for everything we have. And our society tells us we need more. We need more. Black Friday. Guess what? We're going to do Black Friday on Thursday now. It's great Thursday, Black Friday. You need more. Bye, 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 bye. I was reading something the other day. And it, said, it, was, it was a statistic. It was in one of my preaching books. And it was something like children, by the time they graduate from high school, have seen 350,000 commercials. You don't have enough. You don't have enough. Friends, don't be fooled into this attitude. <coughs> Remember the chesed of the Lord and give thanks. Enjoy your day. Enjoy it. The Bible is full of feasts. It's full of feasts. They used to get together in the Old Testament and they would have massive feasts. They would make the biggest block party here in Brentwood. But they would be like, why would you go to that little thing? Come to our feast. It's the whole city. The whole city is feasting right now. We're praising the Lord. It honors the Lord when we get together with family and when we feast and when we remember what God has done for us. The men and I are studying Ecclesiastes on Saturday mornings. And one of my, one set of my favorite verses for living the contented life is Ecclesiastes 9, verses 7 through 9. It says, Go then. Eat your bread in happiness and drink your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already approved your works. Let your clothes be white all the time, and let not oil be lacking on your head. This is my favorite verse right here. Enjoy the life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which he has given you under the sun. For this is your reward, wife, and in your toil for which you have labored under 
Enjoy your family if you're with your family. Enjoy your friends if you're with your friends. And remember the chesed of God. Someone may be here today and they're thinking to themselves, who is this God and this Jesus Christ? And why is he so funny? How can I experience this chesed? I already read you the Romans road. It's a great path to get you started on, on the way to a life with Christ. Wrapped in his righteousness and, and immersed in his hesed. Amen. We're going to pray now. And afterwards, we're going to sing one last song. And while we sing it, I'll be right up here. If you, if you understand that you have a need for Jesus in your life, you, you need to overcome the sin that's in your life and have Jesus write your name in the book of life. Don't wait. I said it last week and I'll say it again. Time and tide wait for no man. Life is short and it's not guaranteed. This Thanksgiving, enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. And remember the chesed of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your psalms. We thank you for your chesed. Lord, we can't even begin to understand it. How could a God that is so holy and so perfect and so awesome stoop to deal with enemies in such a loving manner? We deserve to be blotted out. We deserve to not even exist. Lord, in your love, you sent your son to die on the cross for us. In, in the, the most beautiful and most perfect display of Hesed. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we pray as, as we go our separate ways this week that you would remind us. That I, I pray that we would just crack our Bibles open this week and just spend some time reading your word, listening to what it is that you have to tell us. Lord, that we would Yeah.